Welcome to the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom. Hey, welcome to another episode of Chair 2 Leaders. I'm Danny Smith alongside Ben South. We are so glad that you are here with us. Ben, how you doing today? I am good, Danny, but I understand it has been exciting around your house lately. Exciting is a word. Um, I, it depends on the moment. Uh, we are packing up our house, kind of. Uh, I'm taking a break to record, so this is a nice little uh, change. But yeah, we're getting ready to load up a, a U-Haul and head west to the great state of Wyoming where we will begin the process of uh, living in Casper, Wyoming, begin the process of planting a new church there. And so we're very excited. We were there for several years and, uh, you know, ended up uh, for a variety of circumstances coming back uh, this way. And uh, But it worked out well because we started a podcast while we were back this way and we'll continue it out there. So yeah, exciting again. It may be too strong. It may be too strong a word. My back doesn't feel exciting. I know that. So yes, anyway, that, that but you too, just went through a whole. Well, I mean, you're not moving across the country, but you just had to redo your house and all that. We did. We did a re, well. We had a plumbing accident. And had to remodel it all, and um, you know, we had to move out and then move back in. But we didn't drive it all the way across country. We just left it in the driveway in a pod there, and so That's it was a lot, a little bit easier than a two day drive across country. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Let me tell you, there's, uh, there's at, at this point, everything is for sale. Possibly even, okay, I probably shouldn't say my kids are for sale, but everything has a price. And so, if your but, family's uh, like mine, yeah. it depends on the day. And depending we're on the I day, know. the price is negotiable, even. It absolutely is. It's getting lower and lower. I do know that. <laughs> in fact, somebody came by the other day and said, Do y'all still have that stuff you were selling in your yard sale? And I went, No, but I, sure i can find something else if you give me five minutes i can bring some other stuff out <laughs> my wife's like i don't think so <laughs> yeah have, are Sometimes. you to that are you to that point where you just say you know if i break this i don't have to pack it you know <laughs> and just throw it away absolutely <laughs> yeah. And, yeah and you you wrestle with the temptation like we can just rebuy this stuff knowing full well that there's no way that we can get out there and rebuy it and all that good stuff so you just you know you endure to the end and uh Thankfully, my kids are teenagers now, so we're putting them to work. They love it, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun driving across the country. But it's going to be a great opportunity. Excited to get back out there and look forward to updating everybody in the next few weeks and months how that's going. And so just excited to get there. And, uh, you know, uh, Ben, if it's okay, uh, I want to talk about our sponsor before we get too far into it because I really want to get to our guest uh, today. Uh, You know, we are – blessed to be sponsored by Central Baptist College, and they know that if you need a college degree but don't have the time, that the Pace College Degree Program at Central Baptist College in Conway, Arkansas, has a proven in-class, online, or hybrid course format. They have multiple degrees to fit your busy schedule. Central Baptist College understands you can't quit your full-time job, which is why they've developed this flexible format. Self-adults for 20 years earn their degree while working full-time. So, Here's how you get started. Visit cbc.edu slash online, apply for admission, or request a virtual meeting. A personal enrollment counselor will help you enroll in classes. So visit cbc.edu slash online today so you can earn your degree and you can reach your goals. Uh, you know, being one funny quick story as we're kind of getting ready to move, I found a lot of uh, notebooks of old 
class note and stuff like that. And uh, so that was kind of fun uh, finding that stuff. I think I found an algebra book from uh, the time that I dropped algebra two, three times. I'm not sure which time it was I dropped it, but uh, there were multiple drops. Did you ever uh, did you ever have any class drops at uh, CBC? I did, and I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed at times to tell this. There's a story as to why this was the course, but the only class I ever dropped in college was evangelism. Um, <laughs> it was... <laughs> It was one a semester I was taking a really heavy load, and I was it was coming to the end of the semester to the drop date, and that's the the only reason was that was the course I was furthest behind in, and I knew I could drop that one, um, and it was coming up the next term as well. Some of the others I couldn't drop because they weren't coming up for another term or two, so it was that class, and so my only class I ever dropped was evangelism. But that's speaking funny. of evangelism, maybe I yes. needed this episode a few years ago a couple decades ago that's exactly right um yeah because if you feel like it's too heavy of a load or you get behind why this episode's going to be for you yep so we're excited to have dr matt queen with us today from southwestern baptist theological seminary he is the professor of evangelism there in the scarborough chair and dr dr matt thanks for joining us it is so good to be with you guys Uh, ben and danny i'm so thankful for your ministry Having served in the second chair, uh, actually before I came to Southwestern Seminary, your your uh, podcast is a great blessing uh, to many who are in that role. So where were you before you came to Southwestern? I was at Friendly Avenue Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. Dr. Daniel Dickert is the pastor there now, but I was the associate pastor of evangelism and discipleship, but I was kind of the number two guy underneath the pastor who was not Daniel, but uh, his name was Dr. Pat Cronin. I see. All right, so you're you're there at Southwestern. You are the evangelism guru there at at the seminary there. But I do have one question before we kind of dive into some of these topics. I've heard your, the position that you're called the chair of fire. What is that about? I may be saying, hey, I'm not really Southern Baptist enough if I don't know this full story, but I've always wondered why is it called the chair of fire? Well, it, it's, uh, as we all know in ministry, we all get in the hot seat, you know, and so uh, <laughs> we're uh, I'm kind of in the hot seat here at uh, Southwestern. No, to be uh, honest, uh, the chair of fire actually is the um, oldest endowed chair of evangelism anywhere in the world. So at at, uh, institutions of higher learning, um, generally you have donors who come along and, you know, they'll give scholarships, they'll give to buildings, and they also give to endow a chair. And a chair is not a little chair you sit in, but rather it's a teaching position. And so the very first chair of Southwestern Seminary was also the very same chair of its kind in the world, and it was uh, called the Chair of Fire. B.H. Carroll, our founder, our first president, um, he believed that uh, one of the missing things in higher theological higher education was uh, the role of evangelism. And so he wanted to have not just classes in evangelism, but he wanted to have a professor of evangelism. So he called uh, L.R. Scarborough, who ended up succeeding him as the second president, but as the first chair of fire, fire meaning passion, you know, uh, revival, you know, those kinds of things. Um, then, uh, and it was known as the chair of fire. It actually was kind of the, uh, for the first, for its first two occupants, it was the first two presidents of the seminary. And then it went to uh, C.E. Autry, who was a professor. And then it kind of rotated itself uh, around the divisional chairs. And now it's kind of a, a occupied position. Um, so anyway, that's the chair of fire. Very interesting. A little bit of Southern Baptist and Southwestern uh, Seminary history there for us uh, today. Well, let's just dive yeah, into kind of the stories that, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, 
I don't know how many in our local churches know that story sometimes. I think that's always important to know, and I appreciate you sharing that. That's really, that's very neat. Yep. Good information. Now, if it's ever on Jeopardy, you got the information. Right. That's right. So, so evangelism, it's one of those things we all know we should be doing. Um, scripture talks about there are those who have the gift of evangelism, but it, even if it's not your spiritual gift, it's something you should be engaged in. What are some of those things? Let's first talk, what are some of those big hindrances that people, that keep us from being an evangelist? Yeah, so I think uh, there's a lot of different um, obstacles that come to evangelism, um, and many of them relate to fears. And so, you know, there's a fear of failure. Uh, some people, they don't want to they, they don't want to do evangelism because they're afraid they're going to fail at evangelism. And by failing, they mean that somebody's going to, you know, not receive the Lord. Well, the issue there to kind of overcome that obstacle is is to realize that th that success in evangelism is doing it. And if you're afraid of being a failure in evangelism, then if you're not evangelism, guess what? You are failing in evangelism. Uh, so it, 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 that's almost the one that just it, is almost twisted in its thinking because by not doing it, you are actually failing in evangelism. But by doing it, you're being obedient, doing what God wants you to do. So that would be one, uh, you know, another one that, uh, that people really get hung up on is um, a, a failure, not just of, 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 uh, of failure, but a failure of rejection. Some people think, you know, what happens if somebody rejects, you know, their eternal destiny is in my hand and because I confused John 3.16 with Romans 3.21 or something, you know, I've messed up here. Um, but the good news is, is um, if you're really sharing the gospel, then they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Christ. And they're not rejecting what you have said necessarily. They're, they're, they're rejecting the message that God gave you to share. Um, if, if, if we're doing it, you know, uh, honoring God. And, you know, when it comes to that, I like to say, you know, if somebody shares the gospel and they and someone else believes it, God's responsible. If we share the gospel and someone rejects it, they're responsible. Mm. But if we don't ever share it, we're responsible. Mm. So that's another one, you know, another fear, a fear of past experiences. Maybe somebody's tried to do it in the past, but all of a sudden they, you know, uh, they had a bad experience. You know, they got bit, bitten by a dog or somebody slammed a door in their face or whatever. And uh, the fact of the matter is, is instead of letting that keep you on a pattern of, of disobedience, learn from it and, uh, you know, exercise so that you are running faster than your partner next time. So they get bitten by the dog instead of you, you know, or something like that, you know. Um, and then the last one, I mean, there's many, but the last one that comes to mind is, you know, a lot of people, uh, when I was a pastor, when I was an associate pastor, um, a lot of people, they don't want to do evangelism because they say they can't memorize everything. Many times we as Southern Baptists, uh, outlines are good. I learned all of them, faith and the CWT and the uh, evangelism explosion, all of those things. But some people say, I'm just not that good at, at memorizing. And even if I am in the middle of a conversation, I'm going to kind of jumble some things up. And to that person, I would just say, um, if we know enough of the gospel to be saved by it, then we know enough of the gospel to share it. And uh, Paul demonstrates that, you know, in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, he said, I delivered to you as of first importance that which I also received. So what he received and uh, take took, he's asking someone else to also receive. So those would be just a few of the things just right off the top of my head that, 
prevents us from doing evangelism. You know, a lot of times I will say, I mean, what are we, one of the things we're afraid of maybe is that we'll keep them from coming to Christ in the future, that they won't, you know, they, they won't be saved. They're like, well, but if that's the case, it's not like you're going to send them to a hotter hell. You know, it's, I mean, they're already not saved. You're not going to get them more unsaved by sharing the gospel, even if your presentation is less than stellar. That's exactly right. And, you know, I, that reminds me, as I think uh, the scariest, most fearful, frightful evangelism encounter of my life is the first one every day. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, if I can get if I can do that first one, generally, I'm like, what was I so afraid about? I mean, this is not, I, you know, I've still got all my fingers and toes and all of those kinds of things i'm okay and then i'm i'm you know once i do one i'm ready to do the next one but then i go to sleep and i have like evangelism amnesia and then i get scared all over again you know until i you know in the power of the spirit uh, go and try to evangelize again so so we need to pray for boldness just to do it that first time that's right that's right not worry about how it's going to work out yeah i had the same kind of fear if i can get that first one out of the way you know then i'm like oh yeah this is uh uh, this is totally uh, what am I? What am I scared of? And you know, you mentioned the outlines, and I, I'm the same way. I think I learned all the outlines that came by and bent. In fact, I think in my evangelism class, I think it was a semester of EE um, and first church I ever served that as a youth minister. I had to learn faith, uh, and uh, you know, over the years, I've been blessed to serve with some pastors. I really love uh, evangelism, and uh, some. Uh, we're certainly far more, uh, you know, evangelistic than others. We can talk about that here momentarily. But, uh, Dr. Matt, I, when you know, some of those fears that you talked about, uh, maybe even a step beyond that is maybe sometimes people think, well, I did evangelism. I, uh, I went to church. I, uh, I taught a Sunday school lesson or I preached a message or, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I served at the soup kitchen or whatever it is. So how do you? How do you help define evangelism, maybe not just for who you teach, but even for like a local church to go make sure that this is kind of what we're thinking of when we think about evangelism? Yeah, you know, uh, my favorite evangelism definition is really not a good definition. It, it's just my favorite because it's funny. Someone said evangelism is a conversation between two people who are both nervous. And that does describe evangelism. Yes, that's de- good. It just doesn't define it. So, you know, I've, I, um, I've, I've got a definition. It's a little long, number one, because I'm a professor. Second of all, I'm a Baptist preacher. So if I can just kind of say it real quickly, and then I can just break it down just real quick. Basically, I think evangelism is that spirit-empowered activity in which disciples of Jesus Christ give a complete, intentional, and verbal witness to his life, death, burial, and resurrection, calling unbelievers to repent of their sins, believing him alone and confessing this Lord. So just let me kind of pull that out. So evangelism is that spirit empowered activity. Brothers and sisters that are listening to us today, if we do evangelism in our own power, we'll get our own results. So if we're waiting to muster up enough courage within ourselves, we'll never do it. But if we depend, as Brother Ben said, if we depend on the Holy Spirit and ask him for boldness each and every day, then he'll give it. If we try to think of all the words we need to say and all the scenarios and all the objections, then we're going to get lost in that. But if we ask him to give us the words, so it's spirit empowered. Um, and it's an activity uh, by which um, believers, every believer ought to be doing this. Um, it's a command. Uh, evangelism is a spiritual discipline. Uh, just like reading the Bible, praying is commanded of all of us. Um, we, are, we are to give a, a complete verbal 
an intentional witness. Let me kind of go through that. First of all, complete, you know, before COVID, people were wanting, uh, Christians would want people to sneeze around them just because they could say, God bless you. Oh, I shared the gospel. I thought about God and his blessing, you know. Um, and that's not the, it's got to be complete. You've got to talk about Jesus who died, was buried and raised and call for response. It's also got to be verbal. Someone said, you know, preach the gospel, use words when necessary. Well, brother, let me tell you something. Using words when necessary, it, it, when preaching the gospel, that's like saying Baptists have a, a after fellowship meal without fried chicken. You know, <laughs> fried chicken is necessary. <laughs> and so are words. I, I don't see anywhere in the New Testament where anybody preaches the gospel without words. Feed the hungry, if necessary, use food. <laughs> that's right. That, that's exactly what it is. And then the, and then the other thing is it's got to be intentional. Evangelism will never, ever happen on accident. It'll happen sometimes when we don't expect it, but it'll never happen if we don't plan it either ahead of time or in the moment when we get that prompting from the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel, to share the gospel, whatever it is, if we're going to be intentional to be obedient. So it's got to be intentional, verbal, and it's got to be complete. And we've got to talk about his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, That's Jesus, that he is the gospel. And evangelism is never complete until you call someone. I don't mean stick a gun to their head. I don't mean whop them upside the head of the Bible, but ask them, is this a decision you'd like to make today? Would you like to turn away from your sins? Would you like to put your faith in Jesus? And would you like to confess that uh, with your mouth? Uh, So asking the question and inviting people, because as we know, we look, you see it in Luke uh, 3 with John the Baptist when he calls people to repent. You see it in Acts chapter 2 in Pentecost when Uh, The people are cut to the heart. They say, what do we do? You see it in uh, Acts 16, whenever Paul is there with the Philippian jailer, he says, what must I do to be saved? Even when lost people hear the gospel, they don't know how to respond until the personal evangelist explains to them how to receive faith in Jesus Christ through repentance and faith. So I think that's how I would define evangelism, or that actually is how I define evangelism. I bet you've got a couple sermons on that, too. Uh, Maybe just a couple. (laughs) I think I might just preach a couple. You said I'd like to unpack just a little bit. You said there's a couple different times. There are the planned evangelistic moments versus those spur of the moment when it just, you know, wherever you are, just the Spirit leads you. Do you see there's any correlation between the two? For instance, the more you plan to intentionally do it, the more spontaneous moments occur. Absolutely. I think there's two factors that really contribute to the on the spot, spontaneous, instantaneous, whatever you want to say kind of evangelism. Number one is planning it in your schedule. We're all busy. Listen, I'm a professor. You guys are associate pastors, which means that you're doing anything the pastor doesn't want to get associated with, right? I mean, so you're you're really busy. You're doing your work and other things. That may be the best definition of that I've ever heard. (laughs) I love it. I'm totally writing that one down. (laughs) So we're all busy. But here's the thing. We get the things done each week that we put into our calendar or into our schedule. So if I've got it in my schedule once a week to go and do evangelism, I'm going to be a lot more sensitive throughout that week, knowing it's coming and even after it's come to know, hey, I did this, it's okay, to be able to be more sensitive to those impulses that the Holy Spirit brings. And also, in addition to that, my daily walk with God. Uh, You know, in Acts 4, whenever uh, Peter and John, common, untrained men, but they amazed the Sadducees because they had been with Jesus. People who spend time with Jesus will spend time telling others about Jesus. And by the way, as it was said in that in 413, Acts 413, if we those that we spend time telling others about Jesus, or those with whom we spend telling others about Jesus, 
they can tell whether we've spent time with Jesus. And so I think that quiet time, as well as that uh, planned time, will be will really be helpful to us in being sensitive to the Holy Spirit's prompting. These two things are so helpful to pastors, to students, professors, lay people, because that again kind of answers the big question. So, okay, here's what we say evangelism is, but okay, we're gonna have a party in the park. We have in, you know, are we gonna do something at Thanksgiving, give away food baskets so that I can do that. And uh, again, it is, uh, you know, when Jesus calls us to go and share the gospel, you know, I'm always reminded that he's called us to himself first and that, that walk with the Lord just, I mean, there's where the Holy Spirit's beginning that empowering process in your life. And it's easy, it's easy to think of those as two separate things. Uh, okay, I have my clock. No, it, it goes hand in hand. And, uh, and I think that's why initiatives sort of like a, a Hoosier one or whatever it may be is so good to go, hey, if I will incorporate into my time in the Word, my time with the Lord, somebody I'm praying for, it's kind of like when you're going to buy a car, you'll start seeing that car everywhere. You know, you'll start seeing people everywhere going, well, I need to pray for them, and I need to pray for them. And that one multiplies to many, many different people uh, with that. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Jesus says, come, follow me. Then he says, go and tell. So, that's right. That's right. Well, that's, man, that's good. So what are some practical tips for working that out we know we need to do it obviously time in the word that devotional life but just the maybe some nuts and bolts of practical ways to look for opportunities to be ready to plan on a, just on a daily basis in our life well let me start off uh just as an added part of that daily time with god because that's where i think it begins with all of us or it should begin with all of us uh when we're having our quiet times in the morning um and, and, and there's a prayer. I don't know who it came up. I don't know who came up with it, but it's called the soul winner's prayer where you're praying intently to the Lord and saying something like this, God, give me an opportunity today to share the gospel. And Lord, when it comes, give me sense enough to recognize it. And third, give me the bold enough, boldness to be able to act upon it. So having, having a prayer like that, you know, some people say, you know, I, uh, um, you know, maybe I need to, at the end of every prayer, say, God, if it's your will. Well, at that end of that prayer, you don't have to say if it's your will. That is God's will for us to do. That's right. And yeah. so um, so I think praying that is a part of it. I think also keeping, uh, as, as we referenced, who's your one, keeping kind of a journal, whether some people have it in their Bible, some people have it on their Evernote or, you know, whatever it is. But having a note of people that you are praying for that you've shared the gospel with. In fact, at our fa- in our family devotion every every night, we're praying for, for different people. Monday nights, we're praying for the people I'm sharing the gospel with. Tuesday night, my wife. Uh, uh, Wednesday night, my 16-year-old, the people she's sharing the gospel with. Uh, on Thursday, my 9-year-old, who she's sharing the gospel And we, we kind of, uh, you know, pray for the lost. So incorporating that, we, when you pray for people, it gives you a burden for people. So that would be another thing. Also, I cannot, I cannot I- express how important it is for us actually to also get someone have have a partner to go to do evangelism with first of all for safety issues that's a good thing to do and again you can always witness on your own but having someone that you're going to meet up with that you know you're accountable to and they're accountable to you uh, to go out that that is so big in fact here at southwestern seminary we go out uh, every day of the week monday through friday um, and professors go with students and no one goes alone we all go together and we all meet together and we, so we so that there's a camaraderie and an accountability that's built so those would be some of the ways that i think 
uh, have been helpful, at least in my life, to be consistent in soul winning. Yeah, that's the hard part, you know, is that consistency. And so when you can, when you can outline it to where uh, you can just give a simple structure, some scaffolding, if you will, to my daily routine. Because you're right, we plan for what we want to do. You know, I have talked strangers on, you know, doctor's waiting room about college football that I didn't know. I mean, so again, it's, it really is, it goes back to the heart of what we really set our hearts on, what we're praying for. And, uh, you know, being a chair two leader podcast and Dr. Matt, you're a chair two leader. Um, talk to those chair two leaders out here who are a, just in their own life, want to be more consistent, but it's been kind of alluded to earlier. Um, maybe even that situation where, um, Maybe they're in a church where evangelism is just not a big deal. Maybe uh, maybe the pastor that they're serving another for whatever reason, uh, at least as far as they can tell, uh, doesn't put a ton of emphasis on that. Uh, what what kind of advice would you give to that chair two leader, again, about consistency and maybe trying to lead out uh, when it's not really there? Yeah, so um, have, having served in those kinds of roles before, um, I've been in churches uh, where evangelism has not been the priority of some pastors that I've served with. And right. so, um, you know, I think, uh, number one, not to be uh, over spiritual, but I think one thing that we have to do is to pray for our leadership. And, um, you know, a lot of times we want to complain about uh, leadership if, if something they're, they're maybe doing something that we don't want to do in the church. Um, and that, that's at least the first inclination. We've got to fight that in the power of the spirit and pray for them. That's that's the first thing. I think the second thing that we need to do is to take a dose of humility. Um, and what that means is instead of going and saying, Pastor, uh, why don't you come with me so I can show you how you can be a personal evangelist like I am? I mean, that might be the inclination. But instead of doing that, we say something like this. Um, Pastor, um, I, you know, I, I do evangelism, but I would love to be able to walk beside you and glean what I can understand from you and what I can witness from you because you've been doing this longer than I have maybe or something like that. Uh, now, again, uh, you've got to have it in your heart as you're praying for that person that you do, that you're going to submit yourself to learn from that person. Uh, so don't just say it and lie about it. You know, God's not going to bless that. But by asking them and, and humbling yourself and asking them, hey, let me learn from you, you know, for example, I think that's another thing that you can do. Uh, another thing is, is to, to whatever extent that you have the ability to um, to insert things in your staff meetings is to say, hey, um, can we include in addition to the calendaring, which is the number one thing that we do in staff meetings, in addition to calendaring, can we also have a part in here where we're giving kind of we're having kind of an accountability touch point to say, OK, have you know, have I been sharing the gospel this week? Have you been sharing the gospel this week? Tell us about a story so we can be praying about that. So uh, that that would be a, another example of something like that. I think one of those things, like you just mentioned, is the things that are celebrated are the things that get repeated um, and, and done. So um, I think we just need to um, just make sure we're celebrating those stories of, hey, I was able to share the gospel with this person. It's it's one of those, hey, when I hear somebody next to me, they've shared the gospel, I'm kind of like, well, why hadn't I been sharing the gospel with them? I can do that. I need to go. And so when I see someone doing it, um, it just it encourages others when they hear the stories of others doing it and hearing success in it and being faithful in it. And just even simple things like, hey, I asked the waitress at lunch today if we could pray for her about something and got an opportunity to tell her about church, invite her to church, share the gospel briefly with her. And I'm like, 
when I when I hear those stories again, I'm like, yeah, I could do that more than I do it. Um, so even just sharing those stories and celebrating them are the things that that kind of spur that on in the environment. Yeah, and the last thing you want to ever do is try to create. There's already enough shame that we bear uh, that we bear in not sharing the gospel. And the last thing that we want to do with e- either our superiors or even those that serve under us is try to shame them into evangelism. That is definitely a no-no. What I say to many people is at uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if we're not doing as much as we should, repent and start doing it more. Uh, You know, and never try to use shame as a motivator. If if you're guilting people into doing it, that's that's not the right reason to to be doing the gospel. You know, we, we... you may be hearing in the background, there's an alarm going off. Dr. Matt Scott <laughs> at the school, they're, they're testing their alarms. We were hoping that would come in just to be extremely loud at the right moment that would just like surprise everybody and be that great pastoral I mean, if moment. We talk, if we're going to talk about the chair of fire and the evangelism, <laughs> that fire alarm was a great little, uh, Dr. Matt, you're, you're really talented to include that in the, uh, in the discussion. Well, we, we, we go uh, try to go beyond expectations here at Southwest. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, that shame and that guilt, you know, people are already feeling like I'm not doing enough for the Lord anyway. And that Romans 8, 1 passage is uh, such an encouragement to, listen, start over today, every day. Just like you have a fear every day of starting again, but you also have the joy of knowing, you know what, it's a clean slate with the Lord and I'm going to walk with him in that. And Yeah, I remember one of the first positions I ever had was Minister of Youth and Evangelism. And, you know, I had no clue what to do i mean i I knew like okay we should share the gospel so um maybe for just a moment uh i remember thinking okay i need to do these events and we talked about events and uh spontaneous but as far as like planning an evangelistic event where we go this event is for the purpose of the gospel and sometimes i feel like it turns more into just a we met some people we took down some main and uh and, and that was about it um how do you how do you plan an intentional evangelism event and be evangelistic about it? Yeah, so that that is a great question, and and I would say that with all of the uh, intent, great intent that goes into evangelistic events, that is the one big thing that we have to really deal with is how do we make sure that this is not just an event and it actually is evangelism. I think a lot of that is going to relate to the type of event it is. So something like a, if you have an Easter egg hunt or Easter egg drop, something like that, um, sometimes a, um, you know, a fall festival or a trunk or treat, some of those, play, some of those times have um, uh, the ability for you to be able to share the gospel in a public setting. So for example, uh, I'm a member of uh, Lane Prairie Baptist Church in Joshua, Texas. And uh, in, uh, in about two weeks, we're gonna have what's called Operation Backpack, where our people have donated backpacks, school supplies, brand new, you know, school supplies, sometimes clothes and shoes. And we've already got, we're in the middle of the country and we've already got 300 people, 300 people that have signed up to get these free uh, supplies. And so the way we're doing that is we're having everybody come in together. They've got their numbers and we're sharing the gospel. Then we're having them the old fashioned, bow your head, close your eyes. And if you respond, raise a hand, we'll have counselors around. We'll give, and we also have uh, little guests, um, guest cards where um, those that make the indication by raising their hand that we ask them if they'll fill it out we've never had anybody not want to fill those out and then we follow up afterwards so 
that may not be for every single event that we can do something like that. But I think, you know, if you can't do a public proclamation and then be able to have counselors to, uh, to uh, deal uh, with those that are making decisions, um, if, if you're able in some way to have guides who are along the way at the event and training those guides into sharing the gospel so that it's, it's not forced, but it's very natural as they're getting to know each other. You know, uh, Christmas is coming up. That's a real important, uh, you know, if you're doing like a toy store. Christmas is a, a very important event, you know, in the life. Uh, what does Christmas mean to you? And then, uh, you know, move that to what, uh, have you ever heard about the, you know, the beginnings of Christmas and why we celebrate Christmas? And then go into Jesus, then get to the cross. So so either personal guides or also uh, um, having the public proclamation or both. Those would be some ways to do it. But I really think with an event, follow-up is key. If there's any way that you can do a very simple form or a QR code or something that people for text messaging that somebody can give, they don't want to, they don't want to fill out a, you know, a, a, like an application, get, get the most basic things, which would be name, uh, email address and phone number. I mean, don't worry about their address. You'll get that later. Uh, or you can Google it, you know, uh, but get, get the most direct information you need that will be easy for them uh, to, to type in so that you can follow up. Yeah, one of the things I was looking through one of your books, and you suggest this like always. You suggested always having a track with you in case you didn't get a full gospel presentation. I think that's a an idea we need to take even into those events. It may be that the event, if it's like a a trunk or treat type event, you're not going to probably have. If you do have a full gospel presentation where there's bounce houses and stuff, the likelihood of many people listening while that's going on is not the best. But you may get those little nuggets in there, but then give them something that does present the gospel or a tool that gets them there or uh, an opportunity to open up the conversation further um, so that if they are hearing it and they're hearing that they're going to run across that you know they were talking to something about this let's read what this says um, so an opportunity to continue that conversation after you've left it that's exactly right and, and to me that's the best way to do a track i mean in the in, in the in the past you know when i was in seminary i learned that you use the track to actually share the gospel and I really feel like today the track is there. So if somebody doesn't have the time to talk or if they listen and they're not ready to respond, they have something to be able to consult. I think that's exactly a perfect use of tracks. Yeah. And, you know, with uh, smartphones now, there's apps you can download. And so one of the things we've been doing this summer is uh, we've been doing uh, a vacation Bible school in the park each week. But as great as the app is for my phone and our folks, you know, downloaded uh, a couple of different evangelism apps and tools. I'm like, if you have a conversation, you feel like you're at a point where, like you said, I don't know what to say or whatever, this will help you. But giving them something, we take that same information so that way they can go home with it because they may not download that app. And uh, you may not want to say, now go on, download this app. They'll forget what it was called. And, and so, yeah, the technology is good to help out, but yeah, giving them something that they can hold in their hands and look at. And again, trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to empower not only your conversation with them, but also take that track and use it in their life. Uh, you know, I'm just amazed from businesses and stuff like that, how often people still leave me a brochure, a piece of paper, and we're talking high tech companies going, oh yeah, read this and, and you'll know what we're talking about when you leave the store. Yeah, and, and I would say one of the things that kind of goes along with this to, to help our laity not just with a track but um we our people really respond to what we celebrate in church 
And, um, you know, our church, we just did this past uh, Sunday morning, we uh, did the Hoosier one, where, you know, uh, with the ping pong balls. You've probably seen those things before. And I think what happens is sometimes we do that, have an emphasis on Sunday, and our, we've programmed our people to think, okay, this is the evangelism Sunday. Once I get through it, then I don't have to worry about it till another year from now. But what, what we're trying to do at our church is we're trying to celebrate those things. And so each and every week, we're going to celebrate gospel conversations. Whether or not someone came to faith in Christ, here's how many gospel conversations we had. And if we don't have anybody reporting those, then we're actually going to have a time to repent. We're going to call the church to repentance. God, forgive us because nobody reported sharing the gospel. Maybe they did. They just didn't report it. But, but many times we just, you know, we just celebrate baptism, which by the way, we ought to celebrate that. We ought to add to, um, but, but instead of just a baptism or just instead of somebody coming to faith in Christ, we need to celebrate the, the, the actual sharing of the gospel because uh, that is, as we said earlier, that is success. And we, that will help our people get around the fact that, hey, listen, uh, sharing the gospel is successful. So I need to do it. And actually this is something that's going to, uh, God's going to honor uh, and, and God's going to hopefully be happy with, but my pastors are going to be happy with because we're celebrating it on Sunday morning. And that, that's really a good point. And I mean, really what you're doing is celebrating faithfulness and obedience, mm -hmm. you know, because right. we don't celebrate salvation. So we don't do that anyway. You know, it's, I'm not causing the salvation, but we're celebrating faithfulness and obedience to the gospel to, to share it and to go and proclaim like we've been told to do. Well, I mean, we celebrate the budget, right? I mean, when you have your budget, <laughs> your, your budget meeting, if we're above budget, if we're below spending, we celebrate those things, right? And so, we report it every week. <laughs> that's exactly right. It's right there on the board in some churches, you know. So, so the things that we celebrate are the things that our people will embrace. Figure out a way to celebrate and, and you know, platform gospel sharing and evangelism. Uh, make that the the big point of celebration more than the offering and even attendance at church because the attendance is probably going to go up the more you share the gospel uh, with people anyway because you're going to be inviting them in after you share the gospel that's exactly well, right well matt thanks for joining us today man it's been a good conversation now if somebody was wanting to get in touch with you maybe to follow up or to you know learn about the chair fire or something what's the best way for them to get in touch with you where can they connect with you yeah, they can email me at mqueen, M-Q-U-E-E-N, at swbts.edu. That's my email address. Uh, you can also connect with me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram at D-R-M-A-T-T-Q-U-E-E-N. Uh, all of those are the same across each of the platforms. Um, uh, so you, you can do that. Um, or you can call up here at Southwestern Seminary, 817-923-1921, and I'm an extension 8643. Uh, you can call me that way as well. And if any of the resources that uh, Southwestern provides in evangelism can be helpful, you can find all of those on seminaryhillpress.com. Man, that's great. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah. We're going to have a couple of your books to give away here in the next couple of weeks. So if you're listening, make sure you're following us on social media so you'll hear about that and you can get an opportunity to get one of Dr. Queen's books for free. Danny, anything else? Before we go today yes so good thank you dr matt for uh sharing with us and uh, encouraging us and hey again wherever you're serving at the local church maybe you're a chair too late person uh, or maybe you're the senior pastor this is just a, a great reminder and you know now i just i hate that our podcast is uh ending for today because that just means i have more boxes to go and pack but 
I will maybe be more gracious in doing so now. (laughs) More excitement, but Dr. Matt, thank you so much. Yeah, that's right. Well, y'all have a great week, and we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Chair 2 Leaders. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair 2 Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.